This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, the business station? 9.37 a.m. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Philip C. This is WTF or What's the Focus? Our weekly roundup show every Friday of the top stories that uh, have dominated the news cycle this week as well as bits and pieces of the news that you may have missed. But we haven't. We have the eagle eyes to spot those news stories. And I would like to start actually with a look at how businesses and organizations are actually trying to attract the younger generation. There are two examples from this week that I saw. Uh, The first is uh, the one strategy is to meet the younger generation where they're hanging out. And that's what uh, the Fed did when they joined Instagram and threads. You could actually see uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell speaking to you from reels on Fed, explaining economic situations, saying that they're doing this all throughout the month of October. Did you guys catch this on Instagram? watched it and let's say <laughs> Jerome Powell just keep your day job don't join XT <laughs> why, why do you think that because he just wasn't charismatic he wasn't he wasn't you know vibing it well well I think he did the first thing to try to be more approachable uh in that he didn't wear a tie he wore a jacket and a shirt but it wow. didn't look like progress civ- there yeah but it wasn't civilian clothing shall we say and then he just kind of said in his very like normal way like you know we want to do this because we want to inform people we want to keep them like updated you know I was thinking okay maybe you should outsource this job so social media influencer isn't going to be something mm. that he can add to his resume so that's mm, me, mm, unless it's it, like somebody thinks it's a theme or like <laughs> memes it I will have to say, I think actually his entrance into Instagram and threads is to meet their core audience. Because I think if you talk about the next generation, like Gen Z's or Alphas, they're on TikTok, right? I was thinking that maybe they couldn't do TikTok because of all the government backlash against using exactly. TikTok on their, yes. uh, on their devices, right? So maybe they couldn't. That's right. So because we always think, okay... Uh, Facebook is a bit of the older generation. Then you have Instagram, which is my generation. And then TikTok is for the younger generation. So perhaps he's trying to meet the current generation, right, who's beginning to become very interested. And they're in their mid-30s, early 40s, you know, late 40s kind of segment group. There's seven platforms, by the way, according to the Federal Reserve website, because that's what I'm looking at. Okay, seven platforms. So there's X, Facebook, YouTube, Flickr. Is that that the... and the photo uh, LinkedIn. Yes. I don't know because that's not seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. I wonder what's the seventh one. Well, what? TikTok is so obviously missing from this lineup. It's exactly. a bit glaring, to be honest. That's right. So it, I feel it necessar- doesn't necessarily, you know, when you talk young, I'm, yes, I am young in heart, Shazana. So perhaps that's why it covers that. So where it's very interesting that I think if you really want to do it, attract the next generation, and that's why he's still wearing his suit. I think if you want to attract the next generation, you can hire BFM Digital. We'll do some very, very good reels and videos for you to explain the Fed position. There is another strategy that they can consider, though, and this is something that the US National Football League has done. And what they've done is actually they've recruited the leader of generations, essentially. So uh, when Taylor Swift was seen attending uh, football matches, they've really capitalized on that uh, and Mm. really publicized it to the max, uh, so much so that it is attractive a whole new demographic of viewers to football stadiums and to football matches. 
I have to agree that I think specifically with Taylor Swift, I think she does kind of transcend multiple generations. When you actually see her concerts, right, they really touch all age groups. And I think that's what's very appealing with her. Now, with the NFL, it's very interesting, right? If you look at American sports, when you go for all these events, they really take a lot of effort in highlighting who's in the audience, who's participating. They have these things like the kiss cam and such going on. So the NFL doesn't do that. The basketball league does. The NBA does. So they've been very used to celebrity Attending, yes. right? So now the NFL is trying to uh, adapt to this, yes, mm-hmm. uh, and try to bring that in. Yep. And you can see Taylor Swift bringing her entourage of very famous friends to these matches. Um, and I think uh, everyone's watching to see how long this is. This can last. How sustainable is this? Yeah. Is this you mean only their relationship or just the coverage or all the interest in the football? Re- the relationship is helping to generate interest in football more broadly, or to be specific, I guess in the Chiefs in that mm. particular team. I'm just wondering whether this will actually trickle down to the broader league. Yeah. Yeah, and we must one must not discount that Taylor Swift really does have a lot of star power. That she's also got a lot of political influence. You know, apparently in her recent eras to her concert, she actually had get out the vote drives, right? Getting the younger segment to actually participate and register to vote. So she really does have quite a lot of influence beyond just musical. She is a phenomena in her own right. So much yes. so that I read somewhere that I think an Australian university actually is doing a a program on her, like an academic program on the influence of Taylor Swift. Swift, um, mm. it's pretty It's pretty remarkable. Remarkable and extremely interesting base business case study as well, considering that, you know, the history is Scooter Brown when they basically took her whole video log and how she basically repurposed it to make sure that she would still get some of the royalties. So it's a really interesting business case there with Taylor Swift. Aren't you just interested in what's happening in their relationship, whether it's real? True? You're so shallow. Honestly, <laughs> and, you're so I, and, shallow. And I learned shouting. a new term, that there's such a player called... Trevor Kel- Travis, Travis, Kelsey. Travis Kelsey and he's a tight end. That's his position. See, it's happening already. You are getting all this exposure to like, football why they call, terms. Why do they call him tight end? Tight end, but never mind. Let's continue. Let us take a look at other um, wonderkins of sorts, right? Uh, I think we can take a look at what's happening still in the U.S. The trial of Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of FTX and one time uh, known as crypto's golden boy. His trial started this week, and no doubt this is going to be the next big story that's going to dominate our attention mm. for the following weeks. Well, there was also the Trump trial that was also ongoing in tandem with this trial. But to connect both, right, there was the biggest story about Sam Backman-Fried apparently willing to pay up to 15 to, I think, pay, you know, close to quite a lot of money for Donald Trump not to run for the next presidential election. Yeah, this is according to Michael Lewis, who has yes. just written a book on, of course, Sam Backman-Fried entitled Going Infinite, The Rise and Fall of a New Tycoon. Uh, apparently, Michael Lewis said that S- Sam was willing to pay between 15 million to 30 million to the Republican Senator Mitch McConnell to defeat the Trumpier candidate in the Senate race. And uh, there was also news that Trump might consider stepping down uh, or at least not contesting if he was offered 5 billion US dollars. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, is this fiction or non-fiction? Pretty pretty crazy stories coming out. Uh, But also, I'm going to be curious to see how the narratives in the trial are playing out. I think when he appeared in court this week, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, you know, he's normally known for his very wild, curly hair, very uh, casual vibes. I think he tried to represent a 
more sober mm. uh, appearance, you know, and I, the the defense were trying to uh, paint the narrative that he did not intend to defraud uh, the customers of FTX. He had the best interest, their best interests in mind, and everything just pretty much snowballed out of his control. I'm gonna I'm gonna look to see whether that narrative can stick with the jury. Well, physically, he's changed his look uh, to appeal to the jury, which is to cut his hair to a crew cut. He's also swapped his normal, like casual look. Uh, he's apparently bought a discount suit from Macy's to look more serious. Presentable. Yes, whether that will change the mind. But, you know, appearances do matter as much as we don't. We think it doesn't. Yeah, it's the first impression that counts a lot. Though. Well, we are going to be talking more about this in the months to come. Uh, but uh, one more story before we head into a break. Pandas, they're synonymous with China and Beijing, has been using these fuzzy, adorable bears to great effect in strengthening diplomatic relations. The US has had Chinese pandas since 1972, but this bright spot in US-China relations could be coming to an end. I found this very interesting because always you think pandas are a form of soft power. And I just had a very interesting conversation with Brian Wong, right? This professor of philosophy about how China is such a great economic power but struggles in exercising its ability to maximize its soft power, right? It tried to do that with the pandas. It tried to do By that the way, with the pandas. By the way, it's not free, okay? The pandas, you, you literally rent them for a year. Yeah, so I think this is where, how does China use the pandas or even other forms of its culture, right, to exert its influence around the world? So there's a pretty cutting um, op-ed in the Bloomberg about the end of China's panda diplomacy. So the reason why it's ending in the US, at least, is because I think the last few pandas that are in US zoos are due to be returned at the end of this year and also next year. So once they are returned, there are no more Chinese pandas in the US. And what happens then to that? There was that one relationship relationship bright spot that's now no longer going to be there um, and as you pointed out we actually pay for that so one million US dollars a year which is what we're probably paying right because in uh, Zunagara there are some pandals if I'm not wrong yeah. Indeed, yeah. So it's, uh, again, it's uh, it's not exactly soft diplomacy. I mean, it is, but it's also economic. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So what and if- it's like, if I give you one, that means you're in favour. If I don't give you one, maybe you're not in favour. Ah, there are nuances to this panda diplomacy. Why can't we just go back to human interaction to improve diplomacy? Because if you're... Rec- if you reflect back to the US-China relations, they are ping-pong diplomacy. Even if you talk about US and Iran, they are this wrestling diplomacy there, right, where the wrestlers basically swapped and all that. So I think you should go back to not using animals as a form of cultural influence. But why don't you just use people, right, Come to just on, connect Philip the dots? See, there's a picture of the panda in the studio. Are you saying no to it? It's so, so, it's so eating cute. eating bamboos and it will defecate all around I the floor. I just love it. I'm sorry, I just love it. I think they're adorable. Well, tell us, do you prefer pandas or humans to be your <laughs> diplomatic envoys uh, you can whatsapp us 018789 or tweet us at BFM radio or excess I'm sorry it is coming up to 9.48 in the morning we'll take a quick break but we will come back with more of the top stories this week stay tuned BFM 89.9 9.49am, you are listening to The Morning Run with Shazana, Phil and Shaoning. This is WTF or What's the Focus, our weekly re- recap show of the news stories that have dominated the headlines this week. Uh, we are turning over to what's happening on the local front and uh, politics 
by-elections, those are still in the mix. The Pelangai by-elections will take place this weekend. Uh, so it's going to be a three-corner fight between the two major coalitions, uh, Perikatan National as well as Pakatan Harapan BN, and an independent who is going to come out as victor. Well, I think what's interesting is that for eight terms, Pelangai was held by AMNO's former Menteri Besar Anand Yaakob right before he retired in 2018. I wonder if his personality still looms very large in this constituency here. Well, some nuggets of information about Palanga. It's uh, basically just a couple of hours out of KL. It's a Malay majority seat. 72% Malay voters in a seat of about 16,500 voters. Most of them actually living in a Felda area. So in in a way, it's a Felda competition. Now in 2022, from what we read, Amno won an estimated about 59-60% of the Malay vote with PN picking up about 35% and Harap. Harapan, a mere estimated 5%. So this really, really is a real UMNO stronghold. Mm. Now, with all that's happened and, you know, we keep using that overused phrase, green wave that happened in 2022, will we see PN actually increasing their share? And that 5% that Harapan won, will there be the vote transfer to the BN candidate. But what's interesting is that 5% doesn't really matter, isn't it? Because now you have AMNO with the big majority. The question is whether PN can eat into AMNO's core base, right? That's, I think, the fundamental question here. The very interesting thing that comes wrong with the Pelangai vote is the whole debate about turnout. And you've seen it being racially politicised as well about different races not turning out to vote for this constituency. And that's, I think, a very interesting uh, dimension for this specific constituency. It's going to be a big test for UMNO, given that it is their stronghold. Will they be able to retain it or will we start to see the erosion of support uh, in their yep. home base? Yeah, because I'm looking at a survey. Um, it's being reported in Malaysia, Kini. So far, the survey indicates that PN will not win the majority in the by-election. So it looks like it's probably just going to be uh, UMNO. It's just a question of the status. Now, what's interesting about the seat, if you look back at how voters voted, even the non-Malays actually pre- quite voted for AMNO quite a quite a quite a by lot. Big margin. Yeah, by big margin. Well not a big margin, but more than what you observe in other state seats. Okay, so it clearly is AMNO stronghold. So it's it's slightly different in terms of how the rest of the country votes. It's an unusual state seat in itself. Well, we will be watching to see how the results pan out. Uh, We'll be covering that next week, I'm sure. Uh, But uh, before we head off into the weekend, perhaps we can take a look outside our windows and uh, really we can see the haze shrouding the Kuala Lumpur skyline. That is set to still remain a theme in the country, unfortunately, uh, as we continue to see forest fires uh, in parts of the region. And I think the discussion that's coming out now is what can we do about it? Correct. And I think what we've known so far is, I mean, there are these attempts for cloud seeding. What was very interesting is that our own Environment Minister, Nick Nazmi, has sent a letter to Indonesia over a trans over this transboundary haze, but they're still awaiting response from Indonesia. I wonder if this is a bit of a slap in the face if Indonesia doesn't respond. I think um, initial responses from Indonesia have come out, have been rather defensive. Uh, and we did speak to Dr. Helena Varki of University Malaya earlier this week, talking about how sensitive this issue is uh, among countries. Yeah, because nobody likes to be singled out and blamed for something. But that is the complexity of transboundary haze. The fact is that this problem is crossing borders. It's not just kept within a certain geographical location. Mm. It affects the rest of us. And so um, how do we manage this? How do we bring parties in mm. so that they don't feel like they're being, how to say, 
penalized or persecuted yes. for something or singled out or singled out yeah. uh, it, it i think it has to be dealt with in this very uh, broad multilateral collective way and that's yes. what we're trying to do which is what asean is for right uh, so apparently our government also has sent letters to the malaysian owned plantation companies that operate in Mal- indonesia i think this is important we have to do our part if we are there yes. to ensure that they comply with the laws and prevent any burning so nick nasmi has also said that uh, malaysia is still seriously considering a law similar to Singapore that holds companies liable for air pollution. But of course, the question is, Malaysia, will we be able to prosecute polluters based overseas? Singapore has done a similar law and I think there hasn't been any prosecution. Yeah, so what's very interesting, you talk about this law, apparently ex-minister Yeo Bin did reiterate for the call to be introduced and said that they were contemplating to introduce it until the Sheraton move took place and that all put everything uh, put on hold at the moment. So whether or not now with the political situation stabilised, it's time to act. I think Nick Nasby has given indications that it's still being reviewed, it's still being considered, uh, but... uh Puchong MP Yobi Yin, who was the former yes. Minister for Environment, she warned that Malaysia may lose up to 1 billion ringgit, um, including from losses in tourism and businesses, uh, cost of firefighting and cloud seeding, cancellation of flights and events and public health. So you can see how uh, a severe haze situation an can issue. have a trickle-down effect on so many different sectors, yes. not to mention the health considerations. Yeah, uh, There's also economic costs. Which also causes economic costs with people uh, taking leave from work because of illness. Uh, We can see schools being shut down once the API reading uh, hits past 200. And that's something everyone is watching as well. How do we Mm. deal with these kinds of developments if it becomes worse? So if, of course, if you have respiratory or cardiovascular issues, you know, and you're elderly or young children, the advice is to stay indoors, cut down outdoor activities, uh, wear a mask. Unfortunately, we don't really have control over what's the haze situation so do the bits that you can that's right stay hydrated stay uh, healthy and just uh, keep diligent uh, keep diligent in how yeah. it's I'm how so you're feeling because my I don't get to do my run you were planning to do your run right I think that was the thing yeah that, I was like I go running tradition. yeah I run every Saturday Sunday yeah. slow run but looks like it's a treadmill which I don't like well let's end on a uh, note to cheer you up Shaoning and that is um, for people who are going to the moon in the future they can still be fashionable right uh, that's still an option for them because who is actually going to be designing spacesuits for NASA Prada <laughs> <laughs> I, I was taken aback by this whole uh, story because Prada will be designing spacesuits for NASA's Artemis 3 moon mission right they've joined forces with Texas based startup Axiom Space to design these lunar space suits. So now shouting, do they have a size S? <laughs> Extra head. They're like, no, panda size. That's panda what size. I am. That's what I am. Small, round, and I've always got black rings you around You are highly my round, Xiaoming. No, but, but the point is, it's really, really good branding for Prada. Think about it. They are smart that way. And hopefully they make suits made for women because in the past it's always made for men. I mean, this is going to have you put your name down, right? For the next uh, space exploration. Yeah, just let me 10 million for the ticket. (laughs) All right, it's coming up to 9.57 a.m. We're going to be heading into the 10 a.m. news bulletin. Uh, After that, it's over to Enterprise. Thanks for listening to WTF. What's the focus? BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.